the results aren't aren't that promising to be honest with you and and i think the reason for that is they have they have them do every workout fasted including the high the high intensity workouts which you don't want your high intensity workouts to be fasted you want them to be high quality Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Matchbox Podcast powered by Ignition Coach Co. I'm your host, Adam Saman. I've got the full crew with me today to kick off a mini series we're doing on macronutrients, starting with, you guessed it, cyclist best friend, carbohydrates. Stay tuned as we break down why carbs are so important to include in your nutrition on the bike, as well as the role they play off the bike. Today's episode is also brought to you by Flow Formulas. If you haven't yet tried out their magical endurance sports specific formulated nutrition products, then head over to Flow Formulas today and use the discount code Ignition Podcast for 10% off your next order. As always, if you like what you hear, please share this with your friends and leave us a five-star review. And if you have any questions for the show, send those to info at ignitioncoachcode.com with email title the Matchbox Podcast, or you can find us on Instagram and send us a DM. All right, let's get into it. All right, talking carbohydrates today. And Drew brought his notebook of science. So I think we're going to be relying heavily on Dizzle Dillman today. So, That's Drew, right. this was your idea for for a topic. We're going to do a little series here, uh, three parts, all of the macros. Um, so we're going to start with carbohydrates, then, I don't know, fats, and then proteins, maybe? Um, yeah. So yeah. Let's, Most important first. Let's, yeah, I agree. I was, I was kind of wondering, I was like, are we saving, we're not going to save the best for last, but I guess, yeah, but let's get the yeah. important one out of the way. So, the so Drew, can last, you, Drew, or anyone, I guess, can can anyone tell me what carbohydrates are that's a good question i found myself asking that yesterday i'm like i know like when we think of carbohydrates we can list them off sugar starches fibers cellulose um but that doesn't define carbohydrates those are just examples of carbohydrates um i don't know they're like these oval shaped molecules that we use as fuel yeah they're molecules um and in their most simplest form they're monosaccharides either glucose or fructose all right are you are you guys ready for the definition i brought it up is this um i I found a new uh i did this on the ignition um discord this week i asked what an iu was or a ui and somebody else said um they pulled up this thing called a l t m g t f y and that's an acronym for let me Google that for you, <laughs> which is so accurate. That's what Dylan just said. Did He, he Googled carbohydrates for us. <laughs> I, I did. I did. Um, okay. A carbohydrate is any of a large group of organic compounds occurring in foods and living tissues and include sugars, starch, and cellulose. They See, contain hydrogen and oxygen in the same ratio as water, two to one, and typically can be broken down to release energy in the animal body. That's what we needed. The hydrogens and ions and water. And that's the definition that I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, man. Did you write that down in your notebook of science? Dude, your it notebook didn't. of science is seeming pretty lame right now. You didn't even define carbohydrates. Yeah. I had to, I had to go do that for you. I was getting there. Yeah, Caitlin had Maybe it in her notebook in of science. Quite detail. So that's the definition. I think the biggest okay. thing that we've said so far is that it's fuel. If you took anything from all that, it's fuel. Carbohydrates are fuel. Agreed. So, so Caitlin, so we'll go to you. So where do carbs come from? 
fruits, vegetables, grains, dairy, and then of course there's added sugar, which can be naturally de- derived. So like sugar cane, honey, um, maple, maple syrup. syrup. Mm. Uh, Can't forget yeah. about our Canadian and friends. People, um, yeah, you know Lionel Sanders. He just does the Costco special of like the giant tub of uh, maple syrup and just uses that instead of gels. That's you know, what Adam Roberge does. He, he races oh, with yeah, gels. I was about to say that. Yeah. yeah. Mon- Monster Hydra probably doesn't want us saying that, but none of us are sponsored by Monster Hydra, so they're very strict about their stuff. Well, no, he 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 does one bottle of Monster Hydro and then he does one bottle filled to the brim of maple syrup, which has to weigh like 5 oh, in pounds. a bottle. Dude, he literally has a yeah. bottle. A oh. bottle full of Monster uh, I mean maple syrup. I mean Monster Hydro. Wink wink. <laughs> yeah that's nuts I, I i guess i just assumed he bought some kind of little container for it oh my gosh he puts it in a bottle that's insane yeah he, that's like he how he gets he says he's going his... for that aunt jemima's uh sponsorship next <laughs> dang that's legit that's how he gets most of his carbohydrates while he's racing he does a little bit of drink mix whether it's Mar- monster hydro or something else i don't know i mean but that's the whole Ted King started a whole company, right? Untapped, like that's just maple yeah. syrup in gel, gel form, <laughs> like in a gel. So I, I was container. talking to Caleb Reese at Flow Formulas, who we had on the podcast, um, and he was saying that he he looked up the um, the carbohydrates in in maple syrup, and he was saying it's not a good source of carbohydrates while you're mm. riding. A I actually have it in front of me. It's one percent glucose. 3% fructose and 96% sucrose. Wow. So sucrose is a di- disaccharide. So it's a, a one-to-one ratio of glucose and fructose. So your body, with that being 96% of it, your body has a lot of bonds to break there mm-hmm. to get it down. Yeah. So this is not where Caleb. I wanted the conversation to go. I don't want to talk about carbs. I don't want to talk about drinking carbs. I want what? to talk about eating carbs. What are you talking about? Because we already drinking, have like so drinking many carbs on the bike is important. I know, but we have so many podcasts already about carbs in your bottles. I want Do to we? focus on like diet, like carbohydrate. All right, let's hear it. What, what do you mean? Let's. Well, you want to talk about it. So let's go. Dude, so, so, so Drew, when I, okay, bef- before we get into that though, like why do we need like why do we need carbs? What are they important for? Yeah, I mean fuel, especially for cyclists. It's the quickest source of fuel and the prime, I'd say the primary source of fuel that we're using when we ride our bikes. And if you were to pull up, uh, if you just Google, um, I Google this often, but um, <laughs> like carbohydrate usage during exercise, and you'll find a chart that will put both fat and carbs on a chart together and there's this crisscross that happens and at like 60% of intensity level uh you get like a 50-50% ratio so like everything below like a roughly 60% of intensity of max effort is like mostly fat and then once you go over 60% of intensity it starts to be more carb focused and i would say that most of us exercise like either at that 60% for endurance training or over that 60% during intervals and racing. And so most of the time we're, we're relying pretty heavily on carbohydrates as our primary fuel source on the bike. Mm -hmm. I thought that's just what you said. You didn't want to talk about. No, I'm talking about food. Are we talking talking about carbohydrates? Well, but you're talking about carbohydrates when you're riding. I thought you were going to talk about carbohydrates when you're not riding. Yeah, like getting ready, like the whole the whole thing of like your whole daily diet. Um, 
We if somebody does want to hear the whole like getting into carbohydrates while while you're riding, I do recommend that you check out the episode that we did with Caleb Reese from Flow Formulas because we really got into the weeds on exactly. that episode. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to like re- redo that. I want to sure. talk more generalized diet approach. I guess. All right. Yeah. So sure. one of the things that I love about um, Precision Nutrition that's I, I got a certification through them a couple years ago is they always refer back to this biopsychosocial aspect of coaching where it's not just like us coaches training a body. It's like we're, co- we're coaching a person and we need to take into account all of these different aspects of them being a human, not just I'm going to make you a faster machine on the bike. Um, and I like that. I think that they have another word for it. They call it deep health, where you consider more than just the physical part of somebody's uh, coaching somebody. But when I was rereading some of the stuff that they had to say about carbohydrates and macronutrients, they said that meals are a biopsychosocial phenomenon and that meals are so much more than the sum of their parts. So like basically if you if you break down your entire diet into like macronutrient splits, that gives you some good information and insight and helpful advice and all of that. But meals and eating and diet and how we approach food is so much more than just carbs, fats, and proteins. You know, like you can you can even do a macronutrient split where you look at carbs, fat, and protein, and that would be super helpful uh, for cyclists to do. But even that doesn't tell you the the quality of diet. Like what what kind of carbs are you eating? What kind of fat are you getting? Um, and so if you get hyper focused on carbohydrates and all this macronutrient stuff, it can be detrimental. I think, or, or just you lose focus of of the overall picture of a healthy diet. So, so Drew, so are you saying that all carbohydrates are not created equal as in like there's some good and some bad carbohydrates? Wow. That was a good transition. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, so when I proposed this idea of like carbs, fat, protein, and we're going to do three different episodes, I, I'm like really bad about this. I always find the good in food. Like, like, I texted you guys that picture of last night. I had sweet potatoes and I put brown sugar and and marshmallows on it. And all I'm thinking is like, I did some hard workouts last week. This is just refueling my body. Like I always think in the positive. I don't think like, oh, these marshmallows are going to destroy me. You know, like I was thinking last night, well, if you were to weigh this meal, the sweet potato is probably like 95% of the weight of this meal. And the marshmallows are like 5% of the weight. So like in the grand scheme of things, those marshmallows aren't really even, you know, so like I always like try to find the good parts of meals, which can be dangerous because then I'm like, oh, Snickers, they have peanut butter in it or they have nuts in it. Nuts are a good source of fat. Let me just eat Snickers all the time. Like, (laughs) so you can kind of like take that road a little too far. Um, But that's definitely a part of like, I think we are maybe, I don't know if it's our culture or Americans or what, but I think we're really bad about saying, oh, carbs are bad. And you make this overly generalized statement that isn't accurate. And I think people do that all the time. Yeah. I I think that where people get, uh, where people go off the wrong track is that blanketly saying that a macronutrient is bad or good is, is, you're going the wrong way. It, it like the, there's good carbohydrates and bad carbohydrates. And, and basically the more processed a carbohydrate is the worse it is for your health. Um, so when we get down to 
refined sugar that's the worst but there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of in between steps between like a sweet potato and refined sugar as well like you talk about like crackers or cookies or whatever you know like some <laughs> some processing has happened and the more processing that happens like the higher your your glucose is going to spike when you eat it and and the less nutrients it has the less fiber the less vitamins the less minerals all of that um, and all of that make high carbohydrate foods healthy, like fruits and vegetables, for example, like some of the healthiest foods that you can eat are almost like if you look at if you look at the break, the macronutrient breakdown of fruits and vegetables, they're almost all carbohydrates, depending on which fruit or vegetable you're talking about. So I think that making I, I, I just think that making blanket statements like carbs are bad is so oversimplistic. I even, I even, and maybe me and Dylan don't see quite as eye to eye on this, but I even have a problem when people say like this food is bad because it's way more complex than this food is bad. You almost have to say this food is bad right now, but in this situation, it would be good. Like white bread for the most part, I would say is not most situations, not good right before a race. Good. So no, it really like <laughs> depends on the situation. Drew, Drew, we've had this conversation. I agree with you. Every food is relative to another food. So when you say, is this food healthy or is it unhealthy? Yes. It's only healthier or unhealthy to what you're comparing it to. So for example, like um, white bread is, I you know, is here and uh, whole grain bread would be healthier, but white bread would be healthier than soda, right? So it's like a continuing continuum of the most healthy thing all the way over here which is like i don't know kale and the least healthy thing all the way over here which is like (laughs) i don't know like donuts dipped in (laughs) butter right but i'm also saying i'm also (laughs) saying that it depends on the circumstance like wheat bread might be if on a daily if i'm not riding my bike today then yeah wheat bread all day like Mm -hmm. it takes longer to digest it's better for you it has more fiber all of that but i'll on the day of a race, two hours before the race, I don't want wheat bread because I there's different sure. aspects of that food that I'm I, leaning I, on. And I, in, I, in that situation, I'm thinking more about how quick can I get this digestion and, and sugar into my system versus what is the, uh, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? I guess the caveat I would give there is that in that situation, it's not the healthier option. It's the option that's better for your performance on the bike. Exactly, and yeah. you're... Your cycling nutrition, your nutrition that you do to maximize your performance on the bike, like while you're riding, is actually the opposite of what your nutrition should look like just right. when you're sitting around. Like and that's what want, I'm saying. You want yeah. the least processed thing when you're just sitting around, and you want the most processed thing when you're riding your bike. And back to your like whole continuum thing. This this is where like this is where I just can't. I can't. I don't know. I just don't see it that way because then you end up like you and all you ever do is eat oatmeal. And like, cause all you ever want to do is eat the best, healthiest thing. Cause you're what's like, what's wrong well, with that? I don't see I don't understand what's wrong with wanting to eat healthy. I know. But if you take what you just said about, oh, if you're comparing foods to foods and you end up with a healthier option versus an unhealthier option, I feel like you'd always, you'd always eat oatmeal. And I don't I mean, want to always eat oatmeal. There's stuff that's healthier than oatmeal for sure. Right. So I'm saying you'd always just eat whatever the healthiest thing was. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to feel good? Because when you eat crap, you end up feeling like crap. That's a blanket statement. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I think we could have a a category of like, 
these are healthier options and these are unhealthier options and everything in here and then everything in here. And it's not just, I don't know. I want to, your body wants, I, I always sure. think, I mean, there's I a lot, there's broad. a lot of ways, there's a lot of ways you could categorize it, but I don't, I don't, I don't understand what's wrong with wanting to eat healthy. Yeah. No, I'm not saying I'm the whole point of the podcast is that we should be eating healthy. I'm, I'm just saying it doesn't have to be as strict as like, oh, I can't eat this egg because there's something better than this egg. Or I can't eat this white bread because there's something better than this white bread. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should say, well, at least I'm not eating this other thing that's less than white bread. <laughs> sure. I guess it's, I guess it's all about how you think about it, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so, so Drew, so I mean, part, part of what you're getting at is that the timing of your various sources for carbohydrates matters when it, oh, when it comes to like optimizing training performance and in, in overall physical. Oh, oh, physical. Good qu- I got a good quote. Matt Fitzgerald, you guys know how much I love him. This is from his racing weight book. It says, um, it says that high carb diets increase your training capacity and enhance your training performance effects that both in turn improve body composition. So like, what we do when we, you know, maybe this is more towards like the general public versus like endurance athletes focused on performance. But a lot of times we um, oversimplify things in that we go from uh, I can't eat as many carbs because I'm trying to lose weight. And so you think, oh, less carbs equals less weight. But there's like you're, 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 you're thinking of it too, too quickly, I think. Um, you know, like if carbs, what he's saying there is if carbs improve your performance and improve your training capacity and, and allow you to train harder, when you perform better, train harder and have a better, higher training capacity, those things are going to help you develop into the optimal lean body composition. And so maybe instead of focusing on, oh, I need to be lean, he says everything should be focused on, oh, I need to perform better. And when you focus on performance, your body composition almost just follows in step with that. And I love that. I mean, like, dude, my, my boy MC Spandex, who we're going to eventually get on this podcast. It's all about performance. So, so how do you know when when is the right time to to switch some of those carbohydrate uh, sources? Yeah, I mean, he also says in his book that like it depends on your training load. Um, when your training load is higher, your carb intake should also be higher because obviously you need to fuel that exercise. So. Uh, Perfect example is like last week I did a block period. That's like the first time I've ever really like intentionally done that where it was like five days of decent volume and really high intensity for five straight days. So like in that scenario, I need to really up my carb intake, um, not only because I'm fueling every day's exercise, but in that scenario, I'm also like I need to recover for the next day's exercise as well, which carbs is a huge part of recovery. So like if your training load increases, the carb intake needs to increase. And Chris Carmichael, even in his book called Food for Fitness, even goes so far to suggest doing some kind of like diet periodization where as you go about different periods of training, you should also go through different periods of macronutrient splits, which I think is maybe overcomplicated. Like I don't want to like like one week I'm doing 65% carbs and the next week I'm doing 60% carbs. Like to me, that's too complicated to actually like, you know, uh, realistically follow, but it makes sense. Like the point that he's making is when you go through higher training blocks, you need to fuel for that block. And I've, you know, maybe, maybe we don't consider our diets, uh, maybe we just don't give as much consideration to our diets in that regard. Like 
that they need to change based on our trainings. So, so other than like just going off of like how you feel or like, you know, looking at some of your, uh, like training metrics to like get a better understanding of how many calories you burned and, you know, maybe breaking it down that way. Are there any other tools that we can use to help get an understanding of what our like glycogen, you know, or carbohydrate stores look like? I feel like I've been talking too much. Somebody else needs this question. Uh, if you, I mean, you could literally just weigh yourself. Um, some of that, like, for example, if you get back from a long ride and you weigh less, the, the, the issue is that a lot of that weight loss is going to be water weight. But, for example, when you do a – let's say you do an ultra-endurance race and then it takes you a couple days to get back up to your normal weight, that's you replenishing your glycogen. Um and, and glycogen, glycogen is, you know, it, it's carbohydrates and water. So part of that is your water weight coming back. Part of that is your carbohydrate weight coming back. But, uh, if you're trying to find a way to like tell how depleted your glycogen stores are, that's probably the easiest way. Um, unless you want to do like a you know, muscle biopsy or something. Is glycogen in every book that I read, I feel like car- carbohydrates are referred to as carbohydrates when they're in food format. And then as soon as they go into your mouth, they aren't referred to carbs anymore, but referred to as so accurate. glucose. No, it's glu- once. Uh, Caitlin, you want to take it? Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say once um, the carbs are broken down into the monosaccharides, so the glucose and the fructose, they then pass through the intestinal tract into bloodstream. the bloodstream, and then they're uh, the insulin. When you your body detects a certain amount of blood glucose level. That secretes insulin, and then the insulin is what grabs onto the glucose and brings it into the liver. Is that right? Out of the intestines, and then it's glycogen. But it goes through, yeah, mm-hmm. it circulates like, through the liver, and it takes what. So carbohydrates in your body are either like glucose circulating in your blood, or it's glycogen, which is stored carbohydrate. I was going to say, I which can be up. both in the muscles and the liver. And this is cool. Your liver can only like hold, you know, I think like eighty or hundred grams of carbs. As storage, or I guess that would not be carbs, it would be glycogen. Glycogen stored grams. Um, but muscles are like, you can store way more glycogen, grams of glycogen. So like it's anywhere from like 300 to 600. But the more, and it's very simple, but the more muscle mass you have, the more glycogen you can store. So I like, it makes me wonder, like, is there an aspect of this, like when you look at a sprinter and they just are massive, like they look like bodybuilders and they have all of that muscle mass, whereas I'm like, I'm a little, I'm a little more of a twig. I can't store as much muscle glycogen at the end of a crit. Obviously they, they just have more muscles and you know, that helps, but maybe a part of the equation is they have more stored glycogen and like they have a little bit more left in the tank at the end of a race because they can store more. I, that's one component of the equation, but I would also say that more likely a person like that, who's like heavily muscle bound is probably using up that glycogen a lot Mm. faster in the race, probably because they have a higher percentage of fast twitch fibers and, and probably also because they're less, uh, you know, this is a huge generalization, but they're probably less aerobically fit than you are. And if they're, if they're working at a higher relative intensity, that means they're using up glycogen quicker than you. Yeah. Now that's a generalization. It doesn't mean a large person with a lot of muscle can't have, have a very high aerobic fitness, but you know, right. Right. I just thought it was interesting. Um, I just thought it was fun. I don't know. Fun little thing to think about another thing, another thing, interesting thing to think about 
that I read from Fitzgerald's book is that unlike fat and protein, carbohydrate is not incorporated structurally into any body tissue. It is only used as fuel. And we already referred to this. It either goes straight into our body as like glucose and used as fuel or it's stored as potential fuel, basically as glycogen that we're going right. to use as fuel at one, um, which I thought was an interesting, I mean, it's, di- it's interesting. Di- and it's super important for brain function, for cognitive <clears throat> health. I mean, your brain runs off glucose. It's the only fuel source your brain so is, I think is using. Yeah. Yeah. So should we, one of the should arguments we touch for- on like there's, there are people who think that, um, if you restrict carbohydrates, that's better. Or like the ketogenic diet people or the fasted training people. Should we touch on any of that? I mean, to me, they're still getting glycogen and, and it's just that they're going through a more difficult process to get it because now they're converting fat and protein into glucose, right? Sure. I mean, basically. And that's just a roundabout way of ending up with the same thing. You need glucose. Like what we just said, what Caitlin just said is that your brain needs glucose. If there's no glucose, you can't, your brain doesn't function. And so if you go to like the whole, uh, what's that cent- central governor theory and that, you know, your brain controls all uh, performance or all muscles, mm-hmm. then you need to fuel your brain optimally to be able to use your body optimally. And so if, I don't know, I'm, I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've done, I've done research on the ketogenic diet and high fat diets. And so there, the argument for using a ketogenic diet to improve endurance performance is that if you can get yourself into a ketogenic state where you're using fat for fuel primarily, even at high intensities, instead of carbohydrates, Mm -hmm. then you don't have to worry about bonking. You're never going to bonk because you're not using glycogen. You're using fat for fuel. Um, And that is true. You can get your body to a point where you are using fat for fuel and you're, you're kind of bonk proof at that point but and and there's studies that show that but then every every almost all the studies um when they actually measure performance which is the important metric here like it's all about performance (laughs) um the actual the actual actual metric that matters subjects perform better in a normal carbohydrate diet than they do in this ketogenic state so to me it's kind of like who cares if you're bonk proof if you're gonna complete the race 30 minutes slower like okay like the person who's dependent on carbohydrates had to eat more gels during the race but they also went faster you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i mean i i get it i get it if you live in like a a uh a state of limited carb intake like you literally just I don't know, for some reason don't have gels, <laughs> but most of us have access to to gels while we're riding. So like, mm-hmm. why do we need to be bonk proof if I can just carry 20 gels in my pocket? Like, sure. I, yeah. Sorry, Caitlin, what were you going to say? Yeah. I was just going to add, if you're in a race, you're going to surge, you're going to go anaerobic. So yeah, right. What's the point? I mean, there- unless you're training for like some, you know, personal touring mm-hmm. long event. Yeah. The, the, the pro athletes that seem to make ketogenic diets work are the, are like these ultra endurance runners or ultra endurance, um, triathletes where you are never even going above your FTP in the entire race. You're just kind of sitting at a low intensity for 12 hours. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, and the you're mechanism. even seeing it like in, in Ironman athletes, um, you know, as of like say five, seven years ago, it was like, 
it was thought that the more ketogenic you could be, the faster you'd be because you could just rely on your fat stores. Um, but now we're seeing like all kinds of world records being broken in Ironman triathlon um, from the men's and women's side. And they're, they're playing a big part of that in, in nutrition. Uh, like some of these, some of these Ironman athletes when they're on the bike, cause they're ca- compensating for their lack of nutrition while they're swimming and trying to kind of preload for the run. They're taking in like 160, 180 grams of carbs an hour. Yeah. I mean, back to what the, the, so with the whole high intensity thing, I was going to say, just so we don't like disconnect this, but bring it back to like why that matters. Uh, this all again goes back to that chart where the harder you go, the more carbs your body needs. And so anytime you're doing anaerobic efforts, you're relying mostly on carbohydrates as the fuel for those efforts. So in a crit where you're sprinting out of every turn, that's like, dude, when we, when we prep for like a cross race or a crit, like we are eating like the most bizarre, like exactly what Dylan said, like not what you want to eat on a daily diet. Like one of my go-to meals is white rice, honey, banana, and peanut butters just mixed up in a bowl, which is like carbo loaded to the max, but not an ideal for a crit and a cross race, but not ideal for your like recovery day. Um, you know, or just daily diet, but, but that's what we need for a crit and a cross race. Cause I'm fueling, I need that quick burning, high processed, easy to digest, monosaccharide focused diet right before a race. Yeah. I always tell my athletes two to three nights before your event is when you, your carb intake should be, you know, leafy greens, fiber, vegetables for, because your body has the time to break that down and you're getting all those micronutrients that are super important. But you know, the night before the race is when you want less complex carbs. Yeah, that's a good thing so. to talk about is like fiber. Like fiber is a carb, right? I mean, fiber is a, a yep. one of the different carbs. Um, and f- there's insoluble and soluble fibers. So there's fiber. So there's fiber that we can digest and fiber that we can't digest. Is that accurate? Yes, there's enzymes uh, in your digestive tract that can break down certain types of fiber. So, like a cow, others will just pass. a cow has way more of those enzymes or different types of those enzymes because all they eat is fiber, <laughs> and it's even like the fiber. Like if we ate what a cow ate, there's no way. Like a cow can actually pull the nutrients out of that fiber, whereas our GI tracts cannot pull that energy or that fuel out of that fiber. So, don't, what we're don't saying cows is have like stones in their stomach to like help them? And they have like seven, don't they? They have like seven stomachs. Seven, seven stomachs. And so, yeah. But like so yeah. some of their stomachs have like rocks in them or something like that. Like they eat rocks and then the rocks in their stomachs. <laughs> I think, I, I, think I remember like yeah. they had, there's that famous documentary um, about the plant-based diet. Oh, what's it called? Game Changers. And one of the biggest uh, examples it uses is that a bull a bull eats a plant-based diet. And then I heard like Joe Rogan on his podcast say, that was such a dumb analogy. A bull also has seven stomachs. And so they can actually like use the plant-based diet. Whereas if we ate what a bull ate, we wouldn't be able to, we would like, we'd just not be able to digest any of that. And he was like, that was such an analogy. (laughs) And it was, I mean, like we're not, we're not the same. Like, yeah, bulls are strong and big and they eat a bunch of plants, but we're not bulls. We're human. Dude, whenever somebody asks me what I eat on a daily basis, I just tell them I go to the backyard and I eat my lawn. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I guess the, 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 the main thing we're trying to say is fiber is good on a day-to-day average uh, 
regimen. But when you're trying to fuel for really high workouts or really hard races, uh, the fiber that's not going to be digested isn't going to be good because it's just going to be sitting in your stomach digested during a race. And you and you need food to be your fuel, not just food for health. If that makes sense. Yeah, and, and I think I think you touched on a good point there that um, yes, it's important to switch that you know that carbohydrate intake. The, you know, night or two before races, but you should also do that for your harder workouts throughout the week. Maybe not like two nights before, but maybe like the night before. Um, and that does two things. One, it kind of gives you, um, a chance to experiment with some different foods that, you know, the night before hard workouts, so you have a you know good understanding of what foods work well and what foods you digest well. And, um, <clears throat> but also like you want to be fueling properly for your, your hardest workouts of the week. And that's how you get those improvements week after week. Um, if you just kind of, you know, if, if you're just sticking to some of these harder to digest carbohydrate sources, you, you might suffer a little bit on those harder interval days, you know, or, or you know, huge long in, endurance days. Um, and then you're not getting quite as much performance benefit. I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to go too far into this, but I do want to say that there's a huge correlation between fiber and like the decrease of like heart disease and cancer. Like there's a huge part. Fiber is a huge part of the equation of preventing some of those big health risks. Um, and I think a part of that might just be that like one of the roles that fiber plays is that it, it takes a long time to digest. And so it literally is just like a I think of it as like a filler. Like you can eat a lot of fiber and be filled for longer with fiber. And so you don't eat as much like fat and junk. Um, also, maybe that's, th- think about the foods that are high in fiber. It's foods right. that are unprocessed and generally considered healthy with lots of mac- uh, micronutrients, like fruits yeah. and vegetables and uh, whole grains and all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So if, you, if you're eating a high fiber diet, that's kind of a proxy for I'm eating a healthy diet. Yeah, full of fruits and um, and I think fiber, different types of fiber are different types of prebiotics and probiotics, mm. which there's so much research coming out now about the importance of the gut microbiome mm-hmm. and having healthy bacteria in the gut. And fiber plays a huge role in that. And like 90% of your hormones or, yeah, I believe your a portion of your hormones, you know, immune, immune health, all of that is largely reliant on gut health. Mm. So. I know that Dylan has some um, studies uh, basically like memorized on this. Um, what about like nutrient timing during the day? You know, like uh, I don't want to oversimplify. Maybe this is an oversimplification. You can speak to this. But should I be focused on carbs before my workout and protein after my workout? Yeah. So, well, I think that we should save this for the protein episode because this is okay. kind of about protein timing. But I can t- I can Let's talk specifically it. about carbohydrates here okay. in in regards to timing it for a workout. So if it's a if it's a high priority workout that's going to be high intensity or it's going to be a long workout. Absolutely, you want carbohydrates before the workout to fuel the workout. Um, the workout's just going to be higher quality if you've got carbohydrates in your system. And then after the workout to promote recovery, people think that that protein is the most important. Like I need protein immediately after my workout. I need the protein shake like the minute I get home from my workout, and that's my recovery. When in reality, you've you've depleted your glycogen stores and there's a window where your your body is going to uh, replete those glycogen stores quicker 
Um, and that's immediately after you get back. So you want to be consuming carbohydrates immediately. It doesn't mean you shouldn't consume protein, but like carbohydrates are the priority when you get back from a ride. The, <laughs> I hear like bodybuilder types and, and gym, gym bro types talk about like, oh, there's this protein window. <laughs> there's research that suggests that the protein window is 24 hours. Like it's so long. And like you're obviously going to consume protein before 24 hours after after a workout like you're not gonna like that's a whole day so uh the i think get it the getting getting protein after a workout is a little people place too much emphasis on that and they need to be taking that emphasis and placing it on getting carbohydrates after a workout another follow-up question to that is there are there any good times when we should restrict carb intake there's a little bit of research on fasted training um and most of the research is like doesn't have that the results aren't aren't that promising to be honest with you there's some and I, and i think the reason for that is they have they have them do every workout fasted including the high the high intensity workouts um which you don't want your high intensity workouts to be fasted you want them to be high quality there are some studies that have the subjects do a high intensity workout one day fed and then the next day they have them do the following workout fasted and those show better results and and it's not that hard to see why that would be it's because the important workouts they were fed the less important workouts they were fasted so i would say that the research on that is like kind of inconclusive i mean you can give it a try if you want personally when i try fasted training i'm so hungry when i get back from the ride like i just demolish my refrigerator um and i don't find it to be helpful so uh and then like maybe if you if you are in a a rest period or a rest day i am hesitant to say restrict carbohydrates on a rest day because you want to be replenishing lost glycogen stores from harder days before but like let's say you're you're in a mid-season break or you're in your off season where like (laughs) your glycogen stores are replenished you're just taking multiple days easy you could probably think about not taking in as many carbohydrates. That's totally what I do. I find a reason to eat carbs all the time. Oh, I need to eat <laughs> carbs now because I'm recovering from the workout I did yesterday. Oh, I need to eat carbs mm-hmm. now because I'm doing a workout tomorrow. Oh, I need to eat carbs. Yeah, I oh, always you're find always, a reason you're to always eat like, carbs. You're always like within 24 hours of a workout, right? If you're a serious athlete, so. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And going back to the timing, because I got to talk about this continuous glucose monitor. Mm. Um, So like whether, you know, you get the athlete question on the time, should I eat one hour before my race? Should I eat four hours? And there's a lot of, you know, it's very, it actually is very individualistic. That's why I'm super excited for this glucose monitor because, um, you know, you can try different things and see how your body reacts to it. You can go into a race like pre, go into the morning of an event preloaded because you ate a bunch of carbs like three nights before leading up to the race and then eat something uh, that's going to spike your glucose. And then the come down from that is going to be so hard. It's going to simulate that you've went into the race with lower, like a lower preload of carbohydrate, if that makes sense. So managing those spikes. So you don't want to like, during, you don't want to be too eager and get the glucose spike and it goes up and comes down before you even start. And then comes down. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. You can, you can mistime your like pre-race breakfast pretty horribly if you do it wrong. Gotcha. So like the time period for that, if people are like, okay, well how, like what, what, 
you know, I don't have a continuous glucose monitor. How, what amount of time should I, before the race, should I be eating my pre-race breakfast? If you, I would generally say like two to three hours before a race, if you're eating your pre-race breakfast, like 45 minutes before the gun goes off, that's the worst timing possible. Cause you're going to, you're going to get the spike, you're going to get the dip and you're going to be starting the race in the dip. Yeah. Oh, so there's another spike after the dip. It spikes, dips, and then levels off, and you want to be where the level off is. You don't want to necessarily be where the spike is. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess having so having your breakfast like immediately before the start would be better than having it forty five minutes before the start. But the reason I don't do that is because I don't want to be, I don't want to be like barfing up my breakfast while I'm yeah. racing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's practical. Like it depends on it depends on what it is. Sure. As well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like if you chug a like a carb drink. That's going to be super easy to digest. But if you if you eat my rice, peanut butter, banana bowl, that's going to be a little harder to digest. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Adam had to run, so I guess I'm kind of like. Uh, I mean, I that. think we're at we're at 42 minutes. Yeah. So I was going to maybe end on a light note. Maybe if we all go around and say our favorite food, carb food, <laughs> it's got to be oatmeal, dude. I knew you were going to say that. That's like the only reason I asked that question is to show that Dylan's just a robot that eats oatmeal. Yeah, but I put stuff in my oatmeal. I don't eat plain oats like you guys were joking about. I checked my phone and there were like 50 messages about how I eat oatmeal. I was like, on what? His cheat, on his cheat day, he puts a teaspoon of peanut butter in it. Wow. That's so It's not true. Dude. I put There's, peanut butter in it every day. There are so many more things healthier than peanut you should just yeah. put kale in your oatmeal. Just eat nothing but kale all day. <laughs> I love bagels. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, most of the time I'll try to find the whole grain ones, but just because, you know, whole grain. I've read somewhere that anytime you can get whole grain over not whole grain, that's going to be better. And I think that's a pretty good rule of thumb. So I love bagels mainly because you can put whatever you want off of them. Like I love almond butter too. So bagels with almond butter. Oh, yeah. And if if we're being oh, honest, I'll High some. roller, dude. I'll sprinkle almond some butter? chocolate. I'll sprinkle some like mini chocolate chips into the almond butter. Oh so carbs, man. Mono, monosaccharides, right? Isn't that what's in the chocolate? Yeah, I'm sure. That's right. That's exactly what I have for breakfast this morning. Caitlin, favorite carbs? Yeah, I was giving Dylan a hard time about it, but oats. Uh, oats are a beautiful yeah, thing. Dude, Every morning. What? They're amazing. I, yeah. Oats, the- almond milk, scoop of protein powder, plant-based protein powder. And either spice it up with some blueberries or craisins. I guess Adam so is good. still on here, and he just said pizza. And okay. Tell amen, amen to that. Adam's going to be the one that needs to stop the recording. None of none of us have that power. Oh right. Well, I think I think we can wrap it up. We'll end on that note. Pizza's pizza's a good carb source. So Adam Adam eats pizza every. I think it's. I believe it's Friday. No matter mm. what. Like, I'm having pizza Friday, today. He has to eat pizza. If you didn't know, we should totally have. Maybe we should get this as a sponsorship. Papa Murphy's on Tuesdays has the ten dollar, ten dollar large pizza deal where you can get any pizza for ten dollars, and they have these stuffed pizzas. That's like a pizza with a pizza on the inside of the pizza. So you're basically oh getting gosh. two pizzas for the price of Gross. one pizza, no. and it's only ten dollars. And then you get the cinnamon wheel for dessert. Hey, he knows what's up. Adam, so this is family life. When you got a family, you think of max amount of food for lowest amount of dollars. And if you can get a whole pizza for $10 and feed your family for today and tomorrow, boom, you're beating the system. Adam said he needs two pizzas for his How is Adam talking to you? (laughs) He's in the chat. There's the the chat, chat, dude. Oh. 
Tell okay. so far back. All right, I think we can wrap it up. I think that was a good episode. I'm looking forward to the next two episodes. Next week we'll do, I think next week we should do fat and then we'll save protein for the end. Because, and the, and the only reason that I say that, I guess, is like the correlation between carbs and fat is that we use both of those as fuel sources and we don't really use protein as a fuel source. So I always kind of consider protein as an outlier of the three macronutrients. Protein, I feel like, is less easy to understand. So we'll save it for All right. Sweet. All right. Thanks for listening, y'all. See ya. I've never driven a rally car before, but I'd imagine there are a lot of similarities between racing rally cars and racing bikes. Both involve speed, skill, and suspense. But one big difference is the navigator. The navigator's job is to communicate with the driver what turns are coming up, the severity of those turns, and any obstacles to look out for on course. With the help of the navigator, the driver goes faster. As athletes, we too need a navigator. This is where the coach comes into the picture. Like the navigator, the coach helps guide the athlete along the right path. When it's all said and done, the coach helps the athlete go faster. To take the analogy one step further, I'd bet the best navigators are those who used to drive themselves. Because of their own experience behind the wheel, they're better equipped to help the driver. This is what Ignition Coach Co. is all about. All of our coaches are elite-level racers, and that makes them better coaches. They know how to train, how to prep, how to win, how to lose, and how to stay focused through it all because they are in the midst of that pursuit right now. Here at Ignition Coach Co., we believe that coaching and racing go hand-in-hand. And it's our goal to fuse those two things together. We'd love to connect you with one of our coaches. Sign up for a free consultation today. Ignition Coach Co. Developing coaches, connecting athletes. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in for the latest episode of the Matchbox Podcast. Like I said at the beginning, you can send any questions or topic suggestions to info at ignitioncoachco.com with email titled the Matchbox Podcast. Links to each of our social media pages can be found in the show notes. Tune in next week for another endurance training-related discussion and learn about how you can find that extra match for your next big event. Catch y'all soon. Let's go! Let's go!